to me that is just so backwards. Like it is so hard to figure out if a person is a Christian or not. People are willing to put up yard signs for a politician, but our actual savior is like the secret. How do we react when politics comes up? Do we throw up our hands and let the world deal with it instead? Do we cheer for our favorite candidate like we're a football fan or something? Or are there maybe some other options? We're talking a little bit about everybody's favorite subject today, politics, here on If That Makes Sense, the Family Life original podcast where we talk about what life's really like as a Christian in your 20s. I'm Tim. I'm Aaron. I'm Mike. And I'm Lindsay. So everyone's a little different about this. I can't make any assumptions. How do you personally feel about politics? I like thinking about politics. Like I like discussing it, researching it and stuff like that. I don't know why, but I find it very interesting. But at the same time, I also hate doing it (laughs) because of how annoying people can get about it. Yeah. And I like knowing what's going on in the country. I don't want to like wake up one morning and the world's burning to the ground. I'm like, how on earth did this happen? (laughs) (laughs) I think some of us have literally been there though this year so far. Like I'll hear something about something going on in the state or the country and I want to know if this is true or not. Look it up at a couple different places and see if they're all saying the same thing. Are you talking about like different types of news outlets with different leanings? Yeah, sometimes. Depending on like how politically diverse, I guess, the topic is. So if it's something like this person said this thing about the riots or this thing happened at the riots. And a good way to kind of try to find the middle ground that I found is if you go to like, I'm going to use the news outlets that we all know are so opposite. So Mm -hmm. CNN Mm -hmm. will have one story and you go to Fox News and it's the exact opposite. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. So I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Um, I was going to say, I kind of feel the exact opposite about politics. I actually, it kind of makes me sick to my stomach. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Like, it makes me nauseous. It makes me very anxious. I tend to be the opposite on that I actually am more apt to try to tune it out, which is not the way that I should be. But I, I feel like the more I read about what's going on in politics, the more stressed I get and helpless I feel, Hmm. you know, Um, but I think ultimately the answer is just that, like we said, we need to be looking for the truth. You do need to do your own research, try to find unbiased research and to just be open to understanding maybe what the truth of the situation is and not being naive about it. I'm, I'm like a people pleaser. So a lot of times if I'm in a conversation and someone starts going off on their beliefs, I'm not the one to push back and say, you know, I actually disagree with you on that. Like, I'm probably unlike a lot of people in that aspect because I just want to have something in common with them. Hmm. And I don't want to create controversy when there doesn't need to be, you know, Mm because I feel like it's very hard to change someone's opinion, especially just in a conversation. So I almost feel like it's not worth fighting. And then on the more important side of it is I don't feel educated enough to give my own opinion because everything that I see is like on Facebook, Hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. so it's like Mm -hmm. I don't have the wisdom to be able to put my opinion on someone else 
when I haven't done the research myself. So I don't know. That's just kind of a whole other take on how I feel about it. <laughs> if more of us were willing to not say what we thought until we actually <laughs> felt a conviction about what we thought from information and from research, then, wow, we'd probably be a lot better off. So I actually respect that a lot. I find politics very interesting. I wish I knew more. I definitely tend to interact with people who have similar views as I do. If there's differing views, usually I'm not going to share my own views with them. Um, I'm not (laughs) brave enough to try and contradict. I really feel like I just don't know enough about it to be able to intelligently speak to it. The other thing is I am really hesitant to trust any type of information that I find. It takes me a really long time to find something that I feel confident enough that this is true. Usually by the time I find it, that conversation's happened years ago. (laughs) Um, But then on the flip side, sometimes I can be really gullible and I'll be scrolling through Facebook. Like in mid-March, I was scrolling through Facebook and I found this article about this doctor who discovered that if you just give the patients a certain dosage of vitamin C, it'll cure them of their COVID. And I (laughs) I sent it to a friend. I sent it to a friend of mine who's a physician's assistant. And I was like, look at this. Look at this. We've cured this. We've cured this. And she said, where did you find that? Oh, no. I said, don't ask me that. (laughs) I said, read the article. And Try it and see if it works. But mainly her point was, stop it. (laughs) I don't know why I I don't trust most things that I read, but every once in a while if I see something that I really want to trust, I can uh, believe just about anything. Yeah, that's the funny thing. When we see something that is along the lines of what we already want to believe, we're more Mm -hmm. likely to believe it. Mm -hmm. And when we see something that's out there in the wild, it just happened. It just popped up in my feed we're more likely to believe it's just spontaneous, real research or information. Now, we're more likely to believe that maybe by nature, we know enough now to know how much fake news on every side of the political Mm -hmm. spectrum of various things is proliferating our feeds these days. Let's apply what you just said to politics because we have this seeming divide that keeps getting wider and wider and wider. My guess is probably it's because we're down that track where we believe the things that we want to be true and the things that are way far out, oh, yeah. we're, we're not even going to consider that that could be true. And then little by little, there's this divide because if two people start out with slightly different views, they can be standing pretty close at the beginning. But if each person keeps on believing what they want right. to believe and throwing away the things they don't mm. want to believe, you just keep getting further and further apart mm. from one another. Yeah. And I think that political leaders are really feeding into that too. Like they'll- Definitely. The things that they say, just the way that they treat their political opponents or those who don't believe the same things they do. Yeah. Like this person is going to take everything from you. Like you need to do whatever it takes. Right, right. Yeah. Taking everything and making everything hyperbole, making everything all or nothing. So you kind of galvanize people on their polar opposite ends kind of don't really find anything in the middle when people do it like that. And a lot of times there's wisdom in compromise and wisdom in finding the mean. And one interesting conversation that I had with one of my really good friends in college, 
we had really different political views. And one time we were sitting eating dinner and we just started talking about it and like, oh, this is why I think that this is the right political thing. And this is why he thought that this was the right political thing. And we probably talked for like two or three hours and it never got angry. Like we wow. didn't get angry at each other. And it was such a good conversation. Huh. And it helped me see it firsthand. If you actually sit down and hear someone's opinion without getting angry at them, you can walk a mile in their shoes and see things from their perspective. You don't have to still agree with them, but you can understand that they're not the villains. They're not the ones that are out there trying to ruin you. I wish I could think of more times I'd done that, Aaron, because that's convicting and encouraging at the same time. I love to hear that even among this group here, there's a difference of opinions with how to approach politics. A couple of you really enjoy learning and getting more into it. Lindsay, maybe you and I are on a similar kind of stance of it kind of bothers us. And I'm also just kind of tend to be difficult and try to be devil's advocate when I'm pretty much with anybody I'm talking to, if I know them well enough. Otherwise, I'll be like I said in our prior podcast about division and I won't really say much. I'll just smile and nod. But, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, we've all got our opinions and I love that we've got kind of different approaches to that even in this room. What does the Bible have to say about politics? Not necessarily political issues. We could talk about that till the cows come home. But what does the Bible say maybe about politics and how we can go about dealing with it? I've got Romans 13, 1 through 3 written down. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live mm. as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. And then the other one was 1 Peter 2, 13 through 16. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. To me, that whole verse kind of like hit me over the head. <laughs> like, yeah. All of that, like mm -hmm. <laughs> so many things come to mind when I read that, you know, especially for someone like me who, you know, I really don't like politics or maybe I just don't like the idea of politics, you know, and I'm, I'm tend to think very negatively about it. This verse to me was kind of this reminder of like, even if I don't agree with what's going on. I still have to respect what's happening and trust that God is in control of them. And my role, I need to honor them and trust that God is going to hold them accountable to do the right thing or to control the, the bigger picture there. So I don't know. To me, that, that like really hit home for me as that big reminder of like, I need to be a servant here. Definitely stuff I've been thinking about a lot since the past few months when there has been a lot of governmental action in our lives, things we haven't had to deal with before and right. things we haven't on a daily basis, haven't felt the effects of our rulers decrees in the past, other than like wear your seatbelt and don't speed. But now, you know, we've felt in this past year so much directly handed down from the government. And that's made me think a lot about those verses, which were written by people like, like you just shared from Peter. They were not under, they were not under democratically elected, uh, yeah. free American <laughs> people rulers. They were under yeah. some very different regimes and they wrote those words. And that's, that's a tough pill to swallow for us independent American sorts. 
you know, the other part that really spoke to me, too, was the part that said, do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. I felt like that statement was particularly true in these times. But I feel like a lot of Christians, people that I know have very good hearts, I feel like they're getting wrapped up in, like, the wrong things. Oh, yeah. You know? Like, yeah. it's, like, easy to get caught up in drama. You know? That's, and that's, like, the best way I can summarize it. Like, it's easy to be part of the disrupt and the chaos, but it's, like, really, that shouldn't be our role. Our role is to be peaceful and honorable. Exodus chapter 20. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. And I thought of that because I think we tend to make political leaders our idols or even just political parties. Something about the fact that people are willing to put up yard signs for a politician but won't put up a yard sign for Jesus. I know that sounds silly, but I feel like that alone is kind of like backwards. Yeah, that's interesting. That's Uh really interesting. Idolatry of of a candidate as being like a savior, treating treating somebody like Constantine, who's going to come and save, make the holy empire. No, that's not what this is about. That's definitely what it feels like. You know, I feel like it is so hard to figure out if a person is a Christian or not. Huh. To me, that is just so backwards. Like, I don't think it's right that we're putting that flag for everyone out to see what our our actual savior is like the secret. (laughs) It's just so weird to me. I just don't, it doesn't sit well with me. I'm glad that someone else brought that up. What's another verse you got for us, Aaron? Uh, So I think leading up after that is the, where is it, Mark? Chapter 12, verse 28. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, referring to Jesus, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor, even if they're a Democrat or Republican, (laughs) as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. (laughs) I saw some parentheses in there. Yeah, a little bit. What version? What what version of the Bible is this? This is, I don't know. I just took this off your desk, Mike. The 2020 version? Yeah. (laughs) There's so many Christians that I'm friends with on Facebook that I see, like, hypocritical name-calling, just being really hateful. And honestly, that's something that I've felt, too, towards people who are really... I don't agree with them at all. And they're saying really hurtful things to me. It's really easy to just lash back yeah. and to forget the second greatest commandment, which is love your neighbor as yourself. Mm, and if we don't love our neighbor, our brother who we can see, how do we say we love God who we don't see? I was also thinking of like James chapter three, the whole verse passage about taming the tongue. Oh, yeah. So verses five and six, it says, so also the tongue is a small member of the body, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire. Think of the forest fires in California. Like how many of those huge fires that are literally, like you can see the smoke from New York, from these fires that are in California. Yeah, it says how great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. Now, the ESV version says that the tongue is a fire. 
that's set on fire from hell. And I think that's a very strongly worded statement. <laughs> this isn't just your regular electrical fire or chemical fire. This is a hellfire right here because the fire of our tongue that tears apart other people, it's, it's pride mm-hmm. or even hatred. And that doesn't belong to the kingdom of God. That belongs to the kingdom of man, the kingdom of Satan even. Mm-hmm. That's a bad thing to be aligned with when we find ourselves talking in those ways that are more like a burning fire than a, a healing balm. Goes on to say in verse 9, with it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. And then down to verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. It just seems like we're completely unaware of this as Christians, American Christians, in an election year. Like, I'm hearing you say that, and my mind is doing these reflexive things like, the Bible says that, doesn't it? That's really there, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> that, that should have shut our mouths a lot more times when we opened them and we didn't need to. It's all right there. It's been there past 2,000 years. So I found this post this morning, actually, by Tim Keller. It's on Christian freedom of conscience in politics. And I love what he writes. He says, The Bible binds my conscience to care for the poor, but it does not tell me the best practical way to do it. Any particular strategy, high taxes in government services versus low taxes in private charity, may be good and wise, and may even be somewhat inferred from other things the Bible teaches, but they are not directly commanded, and therefore we cannot insist that all Christians, as a matter of conscience, follow one or the other. He wraps it up by saying, The current political parties offer a potpourri of different positions on these and many, many other topics, most of which, as just noted, the Bible does not speak to directly. This means when it comes to taking political positions, voting, determining alliances, and political involvement, the Christian has liberty of conscience. Christians cannot Mm. say to other Christians, no Christian can vote for fill-in-the-blank, or every Christian must vote for fill-in-the-blank, unless you can find a biblical command to that effect. (laughs) That ties in perfectly with what we're talking about here, and and I think a main point I took away from that is the Bible does have a lot to say about politics, but it doesn't get into the specifics of how to deal with specific situations. There's no you should vote this way or you should vote this way. And of course, there's lots of scripture. Some of the ones I found, Lindsay already talked about Romans 13, we're subject to governing authorities. First Timothy 2, 1 to 2, we need to pray for our government. Mm-hmm. Titus 3, 9, we need to avoid foolish controversies. Matthew 22, pay your taxes. First Thessalonians 4, live quietly. Philippians 3, 20, our citizenship is in heaven. One of my favorites is Daniel 2.21. God chooses which people he puts in power, and then he chooses when to remove them from power. So all of these things, it just seems the Bible has so much to say 
about politics, but it's not the kinds of things that we expect it to say. It doesn't tell you how to solve world hunger. It doesn't、mm-hmm. tell you how to solve this or that or the other thing. It doesn't say is high taxes better, is low taxes better. But if you really dig in and read it, I think. It offers a lot, but not so much that we can put this big general blanket statement that says if you're a Christian, you have to vote this way. Yeah, I think that's excellent. Thank you, Tim Keller, for that, and thanks, Mike, for bringing that. I thought it was interesting that he specifically used the word alliances、hmm. because a lot of times we feel like we're in in alliance with our political party of choice, sure, and all the others are our enemies. <sighs> Yeah. Whereas we're supposed to be, in theory, getting things done together for our country, not my country. Yeah. We do have alliances, don't we? It's just like Survivor, just as dramatic as Survivor too. Yeah. Maybe more so. <laughs> Maybe more so. But there are no immunity idols in an election year. <laughs> you personally, what would your hopes be for the outcome of Christian engagement with politics? What would you, in a perfect world, maybe even, what would you want to see come out of that? I think if we are the ones that are sowing peace and righteousness, then we will eventually reap that peace. And I think if anybody should be trying to sow peace right now, it should be us, because our peace should be in God, who is who we know, like Mike was saying, has set up authorities, and like Lindsay was saying, like he is. Set the authorities up over us, and ultimately he is in control of them, and their time of leadership is controlled by him.、Hmm. He's not surprised by any of these executive orders that any governors or presidents are signing.、Yeah. And it reminds me of Matthew too, where it says, "If God cares about the birds of the air, then I think He cares much more about us." Yep, we can trust that. My hope would be just that Christian engagement with politics would be different than the world's engagement in that circle, and that it would be better than the world's engagement in politics. I would also expect that Christians go about politics in ways that are different from each other, but always something that can agree on who our ultimate and eternal King is in Jesus. Well, you know, it really ties back to what we've already. We talked about honestly, you know how we talked about idolizing、uh, the people in charge. For me, that is a huge one that doesn't sit very well with me.、Um, mm-hmm. I just find it like very off-putting. I'm, I'm going to use an example here. Like for instance, some people are very pro-Trump,、yeah. and a lot of times they are Christians, right? And and they're very vocal about I'm Christian and pro-Trump. But for people who are anti-Trump. And you know, if you watched the same things that were on the other news channels, if you watched enough of it, you would think, "Wow, he's really not a good guy. How can a Christian be pro-Trump?" Right. Like just like you guys were talking about, if you watch nothing but Fox News, that's all you're gonna think is Trump is this great, amazing person.、Mm-hmm. If you watch any of the other news channels, you think the complete opposite. Regardless of what he is, doesn't really matter. But the fact that Christians are Aligning themselves with politicians, being very vocal about it, for people who don't align with the same things, I feel like that makes Christians look negatively. Do, do you know what I'm trying to say here? Absolutely. Like, yes,、mm-hmm. absolutely. And I hear that a lot, where it's like, "Well, you're Christian. How could you support somebody like him? You know, because he did this, or he said that, or he's pro this, or..." 
and it can be true, honestly, for probably any of our leaders right now, but for us to be so vocal about our political beliefs, I think really backfires on us because if they don't exactly believe what we believe, then they immediately have a negative association with us as Christians. Mm -hmm. That's that's a great point. That's a great point. When we put up uh, an unnecessary barrier to the gospel, sometimes when we do that too, if, if we're seen as being a political party first and people who follow this Jesus guy second, well, then if they have a problem with our political party, if we've made that our primary way of representing ourselves, then we've cut off the much more important thing we have to share with the world, which is our relationship with Jesus and who we know him to be as our real king and as our real savior. I have one more verse. Oh, yeah. Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The reason that verse stuck out to me is I don't know the what for every specific person's situations. I don't know in what way you should or should not get involved. But I think this verse really brings some clarity to how, how you carry it out. Three things stood out to me. First thing, in everything you do, in whatever you do, in word or deed. So whether it's something coming out of your mouth or whether it's the way you live, that's the first thing. The second thing, do it in the name of the Lord. So whatever type of political endeavor you're embarking on, I would ask myself, is it for the glory of God? And is it in the name of the Lord? And then the last thing, and I think probably the thing that I get caught up in the most, the verse ends, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I just have to ask myself, is this thing I'm doing out of a spirit of thanksgiving? Because if it's out of a spirit of thanksgiving, I bet that all of the hate and anger and all of that stuff that we're so often feeling is going to dissolve away. Wow. If it truly is out of a spirit of thanksgiving. It's hard. It's really hard to stay mad about anything when you're thankful. My brother actually just said to me the other day, thankfulness is like poison to anger. Hmm. It's If anger is a plant, it's like pouring bleach water on its roots. Hmm. Don't look at those angry things. Look at what you can be thankful for. We're so glad you joined us for another episode of If That Makes Sense, the Family Life original podcast where we talk about what life is really like as a Christian in your 20s. If you enjoyed what you heard, we would be so grateful if you'd subscribe or share this podcast where you share things you care about with the people you care about. And also feel free to check out the other Family Life podcasts we've got at fln.org slash podcast like Therese Talk with Family Life Morning's own Therese Main, and 10 Minutes With, interviews by voices you know from Family Life with artists, authors, speakers, and other Christian figures. You can find those and more on your favorite podcast app or at fln.org slash podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, and we're looking forward to talking with you in the next one. Bye.